0: Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. I'm Cody Goff.
1: And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about
0: one psychological
1: reason why holiday shopping can get so hostile and how researchers completed Beethoven's 10th Symphony. We'll also answer a listener question about why cats love boxes.
0: Let's satisfy some curiosity. Today is Black Friday in the United States, and that usually comes with some very bad behavior from frantic shoppers. A fellow shopper taking your parking spot or touching your PlayStation 5 before you've even bought it can lead to heightened emotions and terse words. Well, researchers have a name for this phenomenon. It's called psychological ownership. Basically, we lay claim to stuff in our heads, even if it's not actually ours. Psychological ownership can be beneficial. When you feel ownership of your ideas or your work... You might feel greater job satisfaction, but it can also bring out your dark side, like it does on Black Friday. Whether for good or for evil, researchers say psychological ownership has three ingredients. First is the ability to touch or control something, or even imagine doing so. Think about putting stuff in your shopping cart, whether that's real or virtual. The second thing is a deep knowledge of the product. You know everything about that PlayStation 5 and why you have to have it. And finally, there's time and effort spent personalizing the product. Basically, the secret to Build-A-Bear's success. A recent study demonstrated how slights to your perceived sense of ownership can have real consequences. Scientists served 58 college students at a mock restaurant... First, the students slash patrons each poured themselves a cup of coffee and customized it with cream, sugar, and flavored syrups. Later, a waiter checked on the patrons at their tables. At half of the tables, the waiter randomly moved the patron's cup. When the bill came, those whose cups had been moved tipped the waiter 25% less. In a later survey, they said the waiter encroached on their territory and that they were less likely to dine there again. So how do you avoid store aisle smackdowns? Well, findings from another experiment could help. Researchers asked 146 participants to imagine themselves shopping for a comfy sweater. They were also told to picture themselves wearing it and feeling how soft it was. And then they imagined that when they put it on the counter at the cash register... The customer behind them in line either touched the sweater without asking or asked permission to touch it. Participants who had been asked permission responded more kindly than those who hadn't been asked. Politeness goes a long way, even when it comes to the green monster of psychological ownership. So if you're hitting the stores today, obey the golden rule. Treat others the way you would want to be treated.
1: We got a listener question from Reese in Newton, Massachusetts, who asks, why do cats like boxes so much? Is there some kind of evolutionary reason? We actually answered this question way back in September of 2018. So we thought it was time for a refresher. Here it is remastered just for you. Have you ever wondered why cats love boxes so much? Well, lucky for you, science actually has some answers. Cody, have I told you my big pet peeve about articles talking about like why your cat does weird things? No. Well, because the answer is always nobody knows. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. It's always like some veterinarians think this and some think that, but nobody really knows.
0: So do we really know here?
1: Why Cats Love Boxes has about the most solid science you'll get on cat behavior.
0: All right. So today we've collected some research and presented what a lot of scientists kind of figure. Yeah. But it's not like here for sure is why this thing is a thing.
1: No cat has ever told us, (laughs) but there's some pretty solid science behind this one. Okay. So let's talk about how cats act and why, right? When mother cats are about to give birth, they make a nest in a small secluded area that's protected from predators. Wild and domesticated cats do this. And once the kittens are born, everyone snuggles together. The snuggling actually triggers endorphins in their brains. And the cozy confines of a nest or a box may provide that same endorphin-boosting effect to a cat. Another thing to keep in mind is that cats are naturally ambush predators. And a box is a pretty solid hiding spot. There are worse places to hide if you want to get the jump on someone. Cats aren't exactly outgoing pets either. A 1999 study found that in households with two cats, half of the cat's time was spent out of each other's sight, even though they were usually within 10 feet of each other. So it's no wonder that they love boxes so much. And giving your cat a box can do a lot for it, too. In a small 2014 study published in Applied Animal Behavior Science, Dutch researchers showed that shelter cats who were given boxes to hide in adapted more quickly and were less stressed than cats who didn't have the boxes. So keep your empty Amazon Prime boxes. They're a lot cheaper than a laser pointer or a scratching tower.
0: Ludwig van Beethoven wrote nine symphonies during his lifetime. And now, thanks to a multidisciplinary team of historians, musicologists, composers, computer scientists, and a musically-inclined AI, we have a tenth Beethoven symphony. It's not like Beethoven didn't want to write more. The eminent composer left behind sketches of a tenth symphony, but poor health in the last few years of his life kept him from completing it. This project's team used these sketches as a starting point— to create a symphony similar in style to what Beethoven might have written. Symphonies are written with a specific structure. The first movement is typically a fast tempo, and the second movement is much slower. Then the third movement comes in at either a medium or fast tempo, and the final and fourth movement is back at a fast tempo. The team needed to match the phrases Beethoven had sketched to the movements, They basically had to guess what part of the symphony each of them belonged to. And then the AI got to work. There were lots of different, complicated problems that the technology needed to solve. The short phrases weren't enough to fill a whole movement, so the AI was tasked with expanding Beethoven's sketches into longer phrases. To do this, the AI used the catalog of Beethoven's music to learn his distinctive style— along with songs from his contemporaries that would have influenced him. It also had to learn the standard conventions of the musical form and Beethoven's own creative process. There were other complications, too. The AI had to figure out how to create harmonies from a melody and to orchestrate the music, that is, deciding which instruments should play which part. It had work to do on the overall structure, too. For example, figuring out how to bridge the various parts of music together and how to conclude the movement in a Beethoven-like style. Well, after two years of work, it finally paid off. The symphony was finished. Here's a brief excerpt worth sharing via Creative Commons. (laughs) ¶¶ So good. Anyway, we could all use a little more Beethoven in our lives. And this new work gives us a little more of it to appreciate. Before we recap what we learned today, here's a sneak peek at what you'll hear next week on Curiosity Daily.
1: Next week, you'll learn about why socializing too much can actually be bad for your health. How ancient desert structures could help us fight climate change. The evolutionary reason why females feel colder in many species whether truth serum actually works, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. Starting with the fact that that thing where you get mad someone stole your parking spot or took the product you had dibs on, well, it has a name, psychological ownership. It's most likely to happen when you can touch or control the thing, when you have a deep knowledge of it, and when you've spent time and effort personalizing it. The best way to avoid conflict over psychological ownership is to be polite say please, ask for permission, and generally be courteous, which are good rules
0: other times too. They are. I feel a lot of psychological ownership over Curiosity Daily. Yeah, definitely. And you know what's weird is that neither of us really fight about it.
1: Right. I mean, I think we both recognize that the other has ownership too. So we don't, like, we don't all get like mine about it because it belongs to both of us.
0: It is extraordinary. That we've been able to do this show without either of us, like, pulling a, well, I do this and I do that. Like, we've never, like, kept score, right? Which is a really bad thing that people can do in romantic relationships, but also other relationships. Like, I've never gotten upset or something or fallen behind and then been like, you know what, Ashley, I edited this and I booked this and I did that and like just start like quantifying and then like it becomes this like kind of one upsmanship game of like comparing lists and neither of us have ever done that and uh if you're out there and you co-host a daily science podcast with <laughs> with a thousand episodes very relatable then uh that's a good way to avoid uh conflict <laughs> you know just don't don't do that stuff
1: I mean it it really does help to have a colleague who you know is working just as hard as you are. I mean, once once you know that, it, it just makes everything a lot easier. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that'll do it. Anyway, enough of that love fest. <laughs> Let's talk about how cats love boxes for a few reasons, because that's the thing we learned about today. First, cats are ambush predators, and a box is a great hiding spot. Just ask Solid Snake. But also, when a mother gives birth to kittens and they all snuggle together, that snuggling triggers endorphins in their brains. A cat might get that same endorphin-boosting effect from getting cozy in a box. One small study even found that when they gave cats boxes to hide in, they were less stressed than cats who didn't have boxes. Remember this when all your Black Friday and Cyber Monday packages come in the mail. You know, my cat is
1: not a box cat, which is very strange to me. She She's not that interested in them. She'll like kind of play with them on the outside, but she never gets in them. But one thing she does do is when she's on my lap, she really likes to have like a like an arm perimeter. So sort of it's like my arms turn into a box and she gets to have that that safe space of like not quite a hug. It's just sort of a you have arms on all sides of your body kind of thing. It's it's hard to explain on a podcast, but uh, it's very cute. She really likes it.
0: Do you think she's not a box person because you're not a box person? Aren't cats like their owners? Am I not a box person? I don't know. You don't like crawling into boxes? I guess not. Do most, maybe, maybe most
1: cat owners just hang out at boxes and I didn't realize that. Maybe I'm doing it wrong.
0: Hmm, More research is needed is what it sounds like to me. Or none.
1: (laughs) And we learned that Beethoven's 10th Symphony has been finished thanks to a huge multidisciplinary team of historians, musicologists, composers, computer scientists, and a musically inclined AI. The AI learned Beethoven's style by listening to his entire catalog and even trained on his unique creative process. Then it used sketches Beethoven had written for his never-finished 10th Symphony to create all four movements of the piece. And actually, this wasn't the first time that the 10th Symphony has been attempted to be finished. In 1988, musicologist Barry Cooper completed the first and second movement. But this new vision for the symphony includes, you know, the standard four movements. So they did the whole thing. And yeah, I, I usually have strong feelings about AI getting involved in art, you know, human art. And, you know, humans have this great creativity and imagination. And I, it's just something that it feels like an AI at least doesn't have right now, maybe someday it could, but I get very, I have psychological ownership over, <laughs> over art and music.
0: Over all art and music. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, when it comes to AI, you know, it's like, well, it's not theirs. It's ours. It belongs to us. Mm. In this case, though, I actually feel pretty good about it because it seems like humans used AI as a tool to make this happen. It wasn't like, They just programmed AI and said, sure, just make something and let's see what it is. And I wonder if maybe that's happening a lot more than I think. And the way that the media portrays a lot of AI art is like, this robot did it all on its own. And really, there was like a lot of human input into how it happened. So, you know, maybe I need to give AI a second chance. Maybe we're just using it like a paintbrush or a piano. It's just another tool to make
0: art. Yeah, I mean, by nature of existing, AI had a lot of human input because humans build AI. That Yeah, that's true. That's true. too. Obviously, there's some like machine learning algorithms or certain AI that kind of, you know, there's a little bit of human input at the beginning and then it kind of takes off and runs in a particular direction. And in that case, it's kind of more of the little zeros and ones clicking around. I'm sure that's very non-technical. So please don't email us with a correction. Uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> It's metaphorical, uh, but all those circuits running around generating, you know, iterations upon iterations after the humans have have created the initial part. But still, there's always going to be some human element, at least until many, many, many years into the future when AI starts, you know, building other AI or whatever. But as we've learned many times on this show, that's probably a long way off.
1: Yeah. As I tweeted before, it's like most scientists are, are like, my field is going to change the world it's amazing. And AI researchers are like, robots are stupid. They can't do anything. They're so <laughs> dumb.
0: <laughs> that's, that's where we are right now. And in fact, we'll be hearing about that in a couple of weeks because we interviewed a robotics researcher who's going to talk about, I mean, obviously robots are different than artificial intelligence, but there's quite a bit of overlap there. But she'll be telling us about how robots are kind of the same way. Not great at being generalists, a little bit better at being specialists.
1: Yeah. Today's writers were Steffi Drucker and Brianna Brownell.
0: Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also a writer and audio editor on today's episode. Our producer and lead audio editor is Cody Kopp. Go listen to some Beethoven. I strongly recommend piano sonata number no. eight in C minor, Pathetique. Very good piece of music. All right. Then join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious.